Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. By now, you should know that I love Grenache. In fact, I always say that Pinot Noir wants to be Grenache when it grows up. That's why I'm so excited to be a part of the first annual Grenache Fest. It's taking place on November 3rd, 2023 in downtown Walla Walla, Washington at the Historic Motor Co. We're going to kick things off with a seminar moderated by yours truly at 5 p.m., followed by live music, food, wine, and fun from 7 p.m. until. While the seminar is sold out, there are still a few tickets left for the festival, which will feature performances by Stephen Malkmus, M. Ward, and Mark Pickerel. Go to GrenacheFest.com for more information and to purchase your tickets today. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hello, Walla Walla. It's good to be back for those who were here the last time I was here. You know what we're going to do this weekend? We're going to drink some fucking Merlot. <laughs> All right, so um, if you listen to the podcast, I have to do this because this is going to go out. So, hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to Celebrate Merlot, live from Walla Walla. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Uh, my first guest today is Jay Crutillis. He's the owner, winemaker of Prospis Wines, and it says here he is crafting arguably the best Merlot debut in the Walla Walla Valley. And he's also a local thespian. So come up, Jay. Hey, man. Um, do we have any Merlot? Glasses, wine? It's coming up behind us. Okay. Well done, well played. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. So, Jay, I like to start at the beginning. Where are you from, man? Originally, I grew up in Indiana, southern Indiana, and then kind of navigated a long and winding road to get here via Georgia, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Seattle, and now Walla Walla. <laughs> that yeah. is a winding road. Um, and uh, was wine a part of your life growing up? I was a little later to wine. I didn't really discover wine until I was just under 30, I think. Um, practicing law. I, I, uh, oh, you're yeah. one of those guys. Sorry. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, law was arguably my second career path. Um, but I was working for a law firm in DC, traveling a lot on an expense account and suddenly going out to restaurants and thinking, well, I need to understand wine and wine lists. And, and that opened the gateway and then had an aha moment on a transaction in, in London. I got sent to London on a deal, was there for five weeks drinking in the hotel and they had a, a Bordeaux on the list. 1998 Chateau de Sceaux, Red Grave. Um, it was 11 pounds sterling a glass at this hotel bar, and I think I drank the hotel's entire stash of it. <laughs> it was sort of, and it's not some fancy bottle. I saw it at Esquin once in Seattle for yeah. 35 bucks or something. Yeah. But something about it just started speaking to me. And so I started, from then on, it was game over. I started exploring wine. 
So how many years have you worked in the wine industry? Uh, closing in on 10 now, if you count my time at the Enology Viticulture Program at Walla Community College. Uh, 2023 will be the 10th vintage I've been kind of fully engaged in um, on the production side of wine. And I'm from New Jersey, blah, blah, blah. We don't have, well, actually, Rutgers does have a wine program now, but it's kind of bullshit, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and I went, I went to Rutgers. I mean, I love my school, but like, you know, wine in New Jersey, that's not really a thing. Um, <laughs> but tell, 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 for me and people who are going to be listening later, tell about the Walla Walla, because the Walla Walla program I found out last year, it's apparently a pretty powerful program. Uh, like incubator, if you will. Incredibly influential in the Washington wine industry. You know, I found out about it uh, when I was, I was still practicing law, but looking for an exit strategy. And I had gotten to know some winemakers in Woodenville and it had really set the hook. And my undergraduate and graduate school studies before I went to law school were all biology and neuroscience. So wine had all these interesting ties into my first career path before I went through law. That got my brain churning. Um, a desire with my wife uh, to move out of Seattle and into a more sustainable lifestyle. Thank God she went to Whitman College. So that was our entree to Walla Walla. And then I found out the Enology Viticulture Program and it just blew me away. You know, I'd done a lot. I did three years in a PhD program. I did three years at a top 10 law school. And at two the years... big fucking brain <laughs> Well, but the point being, my, my two years at a community college in Walla Walla was probably my two favorite years of my educational experience. I love that. I love that. Um... That's, that's, that's amazing. Dude, PhDs and da, da, da. Oh, I didn't finish the PhD. Um, <laughs> so what was, your first, what was your first job in the wine business? How did you get your start? Uh, I mean, I, I was a cellar rat a little bit for a, uh, for a winery in Woodenville. And that was kind of like, like I said, the, but that was purely, you know, like so many of us started on the bottling line and then just helping. Probably more of an annoyance than a help, frankly. <laughs> then when I got to Walla Walla, I connected with my buddy Ryan Crane, who I'd gotten to know uh, at Curlew Cellars and helped him a lot in the cellar. Um, from the from the moment I set foot in town, but the first official job job I had was working for Tranche uh, and Corliss here in Walla Walla uh, as the cellar master at Tranche. Nice. Um, tell me about your wine, man. Just have a little taste. Yeah, this is our 2019 Walla Walla Valley Merlot. Uh, it's the third vintage, and um, it's everything I love about Merlot. It's this one is 87% Merlot, 13% Cab. Um, but the thing I'm searching for in in Merlot is tension and like harmonic and energy and vibrancy. Um, it's, it's, there's always this life in Merlot that gets me really, really excited. Um, and in this vintage, we moved our sourcing to, uh, the primary Merlot sourcing for this is Seven Hills Vineyard here in the Valley. Um, and it was a great exemplar of one of the things I love about this wine community, and that's the collaboration we have with our growers. Mm -hmm. um, so when I called Sadie, I don't know if Sadie's in the house, but Sadie Drury, the manager for Savane and Seven Hills, looking for, see if she had any Merlot for us. And um, her response was, yeah, I've got block 17, 19, and 33E. And knowing you guys and the kind of wine you're trying to make, I think 33E is the right fit for you. So it was not just, I need Merlot. It's, I need Merlot that fits the Prosperous program. What have you got? And she knew us and knew our wines and guided us to a really good fit that brought what we were looking for. That's Again, he's like, I get, I get the lawyer, I get all your background. And he's like, <laughs> just dropping block numbers and <laughs> attention. Like, it's like case citations. <laughs> we have to shepherdize your wine. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> um, uh, what do you like about sharing wine with others? To me, wine is uh, it opens doors. You know, you, the, the conversation with somebody you might know very little about, people that come into our tasting room, um, you know nothing about them. They're here to taste wine. And so often that wine 
it doesn't stay about the wine for very long. It really can branch out very quickly into, mm-hmm. you know, we've had, we had a great example a couple of weeks ago. We had wine people that came in as customers. They became wine club members. They became friends. And now they're almost like family. And they came back to the tasting room a couple of weeks ago. They're from the Boise area. And they were in the tasting room for seven hours, basically, by the end of the day. Yeah. They came in yeah. at 3 o'clock, and we were yeah. there till 10 o'clock at night. We ordered pizzas and just <laughs> pop bottles. And it was just like, yes, this is what wine does for us. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the best. I mean, we could wax poetic, and you know, and it's all important, soil, clonal selection. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, like even the podcast, it's about getting to meet people and talk to people over a bottle of wine. I think it's the perfect beverage for that. It just yeah. opens up conversations. Never seen a fight break out of a wine tasting. No, not yet. Not. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you mentioned that your two years uh, at the community college was like the best two years of education. Yep. Uh, what else has been a good tool in your personal wine education, like outside of the program? Yeah, I mean, I think a healthy dose of humility, like going into it, willing to be wrong willing to have your preconceptions completely flipped upside down, um, willing to just lay yourself bare before a new bottle of wine, a new terroir, a new producer, whatever it might be is great. And then just to opening yourself to new people, tasting wine with more people and getting different perspectives. Um, it's been one of the, my biggest joys and as we've grown prosperous and started to hire a couple people, bringing that fresh voice in. You know, For six years now, prosperous has been mostly me and Matt mm-hmm. and Good. Luckily, we agree almost entirely on wine and what we're doing with wine production. But to get other people in who don't disagree with us, but they have this totally fresh view on what we're doing. And that's been really energizing for me in the last year and a half. That's cool, man. Um, when did you fall in love with Merlot? <sighs> Not long after I discovered that original Bordeaux I mentioned mm-hmm. to you, I started exploring more about Bordeaux and, and found the right bank. Very quickly, I was like, oh, shit. Um, and had the good fortune last year with my wife to go to Santa Mignon in Pomerol uh, in early September, which was great. Um, but the one thing, the one I remember most probably specifically is when I got to Washington, um, I discovered Stevens Winery in Woodenville and Tim Stevens Merlot. Uh, yeah, there we go. Give Some it Stevens up. Give fans. it up for Tim Stevens. Yeah. Mostly sourced out of uh, Dubrul and Meek Vineyards in the Yakima Valley, and he just... His Merlot always brought that vibrancy, that just punch, that like acid punch, but also great heft, great structure, great, you know, sort of foundational weight. And uh, was just every time I'd open one of his bottles of Merlot, it was just like, okay, we got something cool going on with Merlot in Washington. And that's so when we got to here and started our winery, I knew I wanted Merlot to be central to what we're doing. Tell me about the name. What is Prospice? Uh, what's what does that mean? <laughs> well, the lawyer and me insisted on. Uh, <laughs> having all our trademark uh, <laughs> issues dialed in. So there was a lot of searching, a lot of brainstorming, a lot of, um, and um, frankly, a lot of perusing lists of foreign words and phrases. And I found a three-word Latin phrase. I believe it's the motto of uh, City University of New York or some New York, New York college. Uh, respique, adspique, prospique. And my favorite translation I found of it was, learn from the past, live in the present, look to the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and the look to the future part of it really resonated with me because it, as I, we were starting a winery and entering the production side of wine, I was experiencing this total mental flip in my relationship with wine. Up to that point, as an aficionado, a collector, a connoisseur of wine, I was building a cellar. I was going on these trips. I was drinking old bottles. And wine was a very retrospective activity. It was a very nostalgic activity. I'm looking back at old vintages I collected in my cellar and remembering those trips and talking about memories over a good bottle. The second we start making wine, it's like, 
shit, I don't have time to think about what happened yesterday. Like, what's next? <laughs> when are we going to see bud break? Okay, great. When are we going to see Verizon? Okay, great. What, when are we going to pick? Okay, great. What's it going to be like after ferment? What's it going to be like after two years in barrel? How's it going to evolve over bottle? It's this constant forward-looking anticipatory um, endeavor as a winemaker. And so the whole prospice look to the future uh, thing just, just clicked. Nice. And it was trademarkable. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, If you could do something other than what you're doing right now, which obviously you're passionate about, you love, but what would you do? Whew, that's a good question. I mean, I, I'd probably be a permanent student. I know there's no good way to do that, but if I won the Powerball tomorrow, yeah, I'd probably chuck it all and just go back to school again. I mean, I'd loved, I just love learning new stuff more than anything. Um, but from a practical perspective, I, there's, um, there's always been a, a teaching bug that gnaws at me. Um, I've always wanted to teach. I love to share information, share knowledge with people. Uh, I've dabbled with the notion of it a couple times, uh, but it's never quite felt right. Okay. Um, yeah, I like school for being in school. You know, you can drink a lot, steadily, <laughs> uh, cram for tests. Um, last question before yes, I let sir. you go. Uh, Game, FMK, fuck, marry, kill. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. So I've, I'm three wine regions. Pomerol, Franzac, Saint-Emilion. Ooh. Oh, my God. That's really hard. It's supposed to be hard, people. It's supposed to be hard. <laughs> I remember, like, Pinot Grigio, Moscato, and uh, Chardonnay. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have to marry Pomerol. I mean, Pomerol is the end-all, be-all, especially having just been there. Uh, but the other two are so tough. There's such exciting new stuff going on with Merlot and Francac. I've had some really baller Merlots out of Francac lately. Um, so as much as I would hate to kill something Mignon, I think I would. And, <laughs> and I would fuck Francac. Uh, awesome. There you go. Hey, man, Jay, thanks for sharing your wine. It's delicious. Everybody give Jay a round of applause. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Alrighty, my next guest is uh, is a uh, well known in the valley. She's a wine enthusiast with certifications. Uh, everybody, uh, welcome Morgan Joseph. Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hey. Yeah. Great. I love that intro. Wine enthusiasts with certifications. Yeah, what is what is? Uh... I feel like I'm more of a wine mercenary. Um, since I've moved to Walla Walla, I've been able to do a couple different things. Just kind of showing up in places like, oh, you need me to work in your tasting room? Cool, I'll do that. You need me to do a little like punch down for your harvest? I'll do that. Do you need me to bottle? I'll do that. So just being really open to experiences and just saying yes, I think that's kind of my vibe right now. Right on. Wine Mercy, she's like the La Femme Nikita of uh, Walla Walla. She'll go around, need a job done, she'll get it done. Yeah. Um, where are you from? I'm originally from Maryland, and I don't know why I said originally, but I am from Maryland. Because <laughs> we all say that. I people say it all the time, right? Um, but I've come to Walla Walla through, you know, Virginia, Boston, Long Beach here. Um, so I've made a journey but nothing in the middle of the country, no Indiana. So that might be my next spot if uh, Walla Walla doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> um, what'd, you, what'd you bring? 
to share um, with okay. me. Okay, uh, I brought a 1997 Seven Hills Merlot, and I'm gonna say this is 100% a gift from K Casey McClellan. I did not earn this. This is something that was given, and um, it's tasting really good so far. All right, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll test that out. Um, so, how about you? Was wine part of your family's life? Was it on the table growing up? So, in a way, yes. I know in a lot of black families, that's not the vibe. But my dad. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, we're more like. Yeah, a, by the way, you're kind of messing up my whole thing here. Like, it's like black. There's like more than one black person. I, don't I know. I, like, I, I I don't so think my whole. I know you didn't know what to do. <laughs> there's a, there can only be one. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I I think my dad traveled a lot when I was growing up, and he loved going to France for the cheese and the wine. Mm -hmm. That was part of his work. Mm -hmm. um, he'd come back when you could still carry on liquids with like a case of wine yeah. and like a whole bag of stinky cheese. Yeah. And at 10, I was like sipping on that wine. Yeah. And at some point, my mom said, this is not legal and I would like to keep my children. So my first sip of wine was at 10 and then the next sip was at 21. Certificate. I love that. <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, what, uh, what drew you into wine? Because you have, I guess, you, what, do you, what certifications do you have? Because I don't have any of that shit. Um, yeah, <laughs> a W set too. So wow. just, just starting, studying uh -huh. for three, level three. Um, but in terms of what got me into wine, I will say my partner initially, mm -hmm. but then when we moved to Walla Walla, actually before that, I would say I was drinking wine. I was like, oh, I like it. It's good. And then there was a key moment. I think everyone who is in wine or loves wine, there's a key moment that happens for you. You're like, wow, this isn't just another beverage. This is an entire community. This is an experience. And for me, that was when we were in, sorry, not in Washington, but we were in Santa, Santa Rita Hills for their Harvest Festival. And going there, being immersed in the people, mm -hmm. the wine, the beauty of the landscape, just realizing there's such energy and community behind this experience was something I was like, oh, I want to be part of this for the rest of my life. This is drinking really well, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I haven't even taken a yeah, sip. Take a sip. Come okay. on. You brought it. I know. Well. I think it was just 20. Did my math right? Is 26? Yes, yeah, 26. Damn, I'm old. I um, feel old, too. What do you love about Merlot? I think I'm a, a new apologist for Merlot. I... I think my first Merlot was like a 14 hands Merlot, so I can't say it was like the high end <laughs> stuff, <laughs> but it was good. I was like, oh, I, this is reliable. I got this and I knew people would enjoy it. But over time, getting into wine, just really leaning into the Bordeaux blends and then coming here in Washington, but then also thinking like, wait, there's great Merlot in Italy, like uh, having this or some really innovative things happening in South America, just recognizing that the brightness. I love acid in wine. I love fruit. I love texture. Um, and I think Merlot gives you all of those things. And it's really fun to see it expressed in the different places that it's planted. Yeah. That's not Merlot. That's Carmenier, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm playing it. They get it. They, they I get know, it. I know. <laughs> That's what they thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Carmenier. Merlot. Um, <laughs> What, 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 so you said you like fruit, like acid. Uh, what do you love about Merlot? Those things? Like, those are the things, because I think a lot of red wine, especially in the US, can be really heavy handed, over extracted. It's like you're putting sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar. And I think when Stop Merlot's, talking about apothic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when Merlot is done really well, I think there's an elegance. There's, I think people like to say it's like the velvet hammer where it dances on your mouth. There's 
like the fruit is really amazing. I love the like cherry flavor. Um, and I, I, I think the tannin, the structure, everything that can go with it is what I like about it. All right. So what do you do for a living now? Now? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say, this is probably bad to say, but I'm actually just kind of around supporting people, doing work. Um, my, we have moved here and we're hoping to grow here and do our own wine thing. So really I'm just learning okay. about what Walla Walla has to offer and supporting where I can. So what's your ideal dream job in the wine industry? In the wine industry, yeah. I'd say marketing for an emerging wine brand. That'd be it. All right. So I really love, I think there's this intersection between wine and music. Mm -hmm. So if you were to describe Merlot as a singer or artist or band, what would you liken it to? <sighs> Mariah Carey. Okay, why Mariah Carey? <laughs> I know that's very crazy, but I think Mariah Carey has a broad range of hits. There's All I Want for Christmas is You, but then she has all these other things that are really deep, emotional, thoughtful, as people said in the video, sensual. Um, so there's the highs, there's the lows, there's this the sensuality. So I think her and most people don't hate Mariah Carey. I think there are, <laughs> there are some people who <laughs> um, people like me like hmm she might be a little shady. But every every Christmas you're coming back to that album, and you're like ah actually this is this is comforting to me. So that's the first thing that popped in my head when oh, you said good. that. That's good. That's good. I didn't think of her. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure there was someone else you could have thought of. No, I have mine. I'll share it. Once Who's I yours? interview everybody, I'll share with everybody my, my answers to these questions. Um, but that's a good, she's a, that's good. You like Mariah. Okay, for you, uh, what are you most excited about for the future? Okay, so I think in terms of the future, I think about Walla Walla. Walla Walla is at this kind of crossroads where we've been building, we've been building, we've been building. And people are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of Walla Walla. I've heard of Walla Walla. And now people are like, oh, Walla Walla is a place to be where great wine is made, great experiences happen, wonderful people are here, and I want to keep coming back. So what's exciting to me is about that next phase of Walla Walla, bringing in new people, having them fall in love with this region and get excited to come back and tell their friends and bring more people. So that's what's exciting to me about being here in Walla Walla at this specific time. I love it. Last question. You know what it is? Fuck, Mary kill. Again, Pomerol, Saint-Emilion, Franzac. I don't want to seem unoriginal because when, you, when I heard that, this is a surprise, but I was like, oh, I love Pomerol, so I'd marry them for sure. Um, Franzac is a good lay, I would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I feel like I would have to, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, sorry, Saint-Emilion, it's fine. Well, awesome. Thanks for playing and bringing this wine. It's delicious. Have to um, drink some more of that, and uh, good luck on your wine journey. Awesome. Thank you so much for Thank having you. me. My pleasure. I'm not dumping the 97. Y'all can wait. <laughs> Just kidding. Ooh. All right. My next guest is... Uh, the owner and winemaker of uh, Hoquitas, which is the newest winery in the Walla Walla Incubator. He's also a psalm, and he runs the wine and cocktail program for Pasa Tempo. Please welcome Robert. I'm going to call him Roberto Gomez because we're friends like that now. 
<laughs> Just get in the cockpit here. You're definitely kind of rock star. I get the rock star vibe. Oh, okay. Great hair. Wow, flattery. It's got get better you glasses. You do have the standard issue winemaker um, Blundstones. Yeah. Um, but uh, issue to me. <laughs> uh, what did you bring? Uh, I brought my wine. Is that bad? No. There's nothing wrong with gratuitous self-promotion. <laughs> uh, this is my first uh, Merlot-based blend, actually. Uh, okay. It's the only blend I make. Um, this is uh, 57% Merlot. The remainder Cabernet Franc. And uh, all Walla Walla. 2021 Vintage. It's called Initials RBB. Um, right off the bat, you notice, I notice the lighter color. Um, smell the nose. It's kind of crunchy. What, uh, what is the winemaking process you put this through? Um, well, it goes through the centrifuge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, it's, very, it's very simply made. I mean, I uh, put it in an open top fermenter. Uh, they're all foot stomped, native yeast fermented, unfined and filtered. Uh, about a year of aging in neutral uh, French break. Uh, Robert, I don't know. We, I, I mean, uh, yeah, Robert, you know, Robert, Robert, Robert um, I'm kind of a snarky, wise-assy guy, if you haven't noticed, um, but it's all out of reverence. So I think you uh, commented on, like, I put a natural wine post, and you, you commented about uh, natural wine. So you're making wine very traditionally with mental inter intervention. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Cool. Very cool. Um, I wouldn't call it natural wine, but... Yeah, I, don't, I just don't like the term natural wine. I, yeah. I, I believe in what people are doing, but when people lead with natural wine, I kind of... That's a red flag for me right now. I, <laughs> well, you know. I think, you know, I prefer kind of, uh, I think of what people are searching for a lot of times is authentic wine. Yes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think it's hard to make an authentic wine if it's heavily manipulated. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I do. You don't make Kardashian wine? <laughs> I mean, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you from, man? I'm from Texas. Come on. Shout out to the Texans. Go, woo woo. Are they, 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 probably, they already gone. Well, they are left. <laughs> so Texan. Oh, my God. Um, so I'm from South Texas, yeah. So I was born um, in Brownsville, Texas, which okay. is on the tippy-tippy bottom. Yeah. And um, grew up in Corpus Christi. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you're a beach, you're a beach boy. How do you like being yeah, I'm a beach boy. <laughs> hey, where's my puka shells? <laughs> <laughs> I used to have puka shells. For them, so, yeah, it's not funny. <laughs> um, how'd you get your start in the wine business? Um, so I was a musician for most of my, um, life before, uh, beverage. And so I was just, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, um, it's kind of a side gig, um, from my normal gig, which is playing gigs was, uh, working in bars and restaurants. So started doing that kind of really, um, started, you know, I always liked wine, but I started taking it more seriously when I was, uh, working on the service side and then started to study wine, worked under somebody in Texas and then just kind of took it from there um this is pretty fucking tasty thank you um see it all tracks now see i was talking about the hair the glasses the look <laughs> and he was a musician right totally tracks um how does that how does how does that background of being a musician play into hospitality and your winemaking um well i think uh well, that's a tough question. <laughs> we may have to take I'm that known one for a tough. They're not tough. They're 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 probing. They're intriguing questions. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's you know to be a musician, you uh, or an artist in general, you're kind of looking um, at things um, 
not just on a surface level, but trying to kind of intrinsically trying to get the meaning of things behind the surface. And I think um, that really helps to understand people. I think that's what service is really about hospitality. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you want to, you know, when you meet somebody, when you talk to somebody, you want to get to know that person and not just, you know, have a, have a, not just hear words and meanings that are just, you know, uh, on the surface anyway. So with winemaking, I think it's kind of like that. Like, you know, yeah, you have grapes. It's, I mean, wine is kind of a simple on paper process. What makes great wine, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the conundrum, mm -hmm. you know? So I think you got to have to figure that out on your own, just like music. You, not everybody can be a rock musician or a jazz musician or a blues mu musician. You have to figure out what is your voice, what is your style that can that you can fit within and do your own thing. So, yeah. No, no, there's no auto tune. Well, there is an auto tune for the wine business. It's like <laughs> mega purple and you know, this shit. Oh right yeah, here. yeah. But I, it's but I, I feel what yeah. you're saying, right? You know, like. Um, I don't say, but real winemakers are in search of something. I think they're seekers. You know what I mean? Uh, whether it be, I don't want to be a lawyer or this, this uh, musician thing's not working out the way I want to, so I'll make that my side gig. But it, it translates into uh, what you do. It's, it's, I think there's a passion. Um, what is um, your personal wine education? What was, what was your most powerful tool? Um, to me, it's really about... Um, what, what really, I guess, put me on the path was going through the kind of sommelier certification thing mm -hmm. and just kind of having those benchmarks, uh, which really just drives you to meet with people, blind taste constantly, talk about wine constantly, obsess over it. And uh, I think that's what really um, kind of changed uh, where, where it was was wasn't just like an amateur pursuit or just something of a hobby. It was more more serious, and it was really about okay, let's break apart this wine, about the flavor of that wine and what makes that flavor and where is that wine coming from and all the and really doing that, I think, it really informs every aspect of not just the wine business or the wine game, but just like wine production too. You know, because your palate is like your most important asset, really. Yeah. You know? So given the path you've taken in life and where you are now, um, what advice would you give to your 14-year-old self? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it again. Um, oh, that would be a long conversation, I think. Uh, uh, get your shit together. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Uh, get out in nature more. <laughs> That's what I would tell my 14-year-old self. But, yeah, I don't know. Hard to say. Um, and because you're making this wine, when did you kind of like fall in love with Merlot? Was there a bottle that kind of set you off down a path? Um, yeah, I was just uh, remarking to Kaylee. I really love Chateau Le Puy. Their uh, Merlot-based saint Emilions are some of my favorites, and those are really some of the most beautiful ones I've had. Yeah. Um, if you weren't doing this, what, what would you be doing with your life? Like if you, like if you could do anything... Kind of what would you do? Yeah, I think uh, there was this one of the questions that we uh, yeah, I, that I pose, the, yeah, that, that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, maybe I, I would. Uh, yeah, I think I made a joke where it's like I live by in a van down by the river. Oh yeah, like um, that's the skit on Saturday Live. <laughs> you want to be a musician? Well, let me tell you, you'll be living in a van down by the river. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to that live Chris in a van. Farley, uh, so. Skit. 
Um, but what I mean by that is like, you know, I just like uh, natural pursuits, like being out in nature. And that's one of the reasons, uh, reasons I came out to the Northwest was it's just so beautiful here. And, and to feel that awe-inspiring beauty of nature is just really, um, I think, very fulfilling. And I think a lot of that about, well, I mean, look at this place. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful here. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of conversations the past few years has been around diversity in the wine industry. So what's your experience as a Latino American winemaker in the hospitality? You have, what's your experience? Uh, well, there's not a lot of us. Um, definitely not a lot of winery owners, at least not in Washington yet. Um, but um, a lot in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> a lot in Argentina. Yeah, a lot in Argentina. Yeah. yeah. A lot in Mexico. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, a, um, I, I feel com camaraderie with the ones that are out there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think, uh, I think things are moving in a positive direction. Yeah. And so like, um, how many vintages have you, do you have under your belt? Cause you're new in the incubator. Yeah, I'm new. So, um, my first vintage, I mean, it wasn't my vintage, but uh, where, I, where I started uh, making wine for the first time was 2017. Okay. Um, just learning the process. That I went to the community college as well, just like Jay. And, um, and then my first vintage for Hoquetas, uh, we started in 2020 with the 2019 vintage. And what does the name Hoquetas mean? Um, Hoquetas is a, uh, it's Latin. Latin. It's up to left. <laughs> Jay didn't take this name because I already trademarked it. But. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but no, it's a Latin term. It's a musical style of singing mm -hmm. uh, or interpreting a melody where you take a melody, you break it into little bits, and then uh, one person, while one person rests, the other one makes a sound or sings or plays an instrument. And so you have this sort of... Um, almost bird song conversational sound and it creates this acoustic effect as if we were singing in different parts of the room or something and so that um so i wanted kind of a musical term uh that wasn't trademark <laughs> and um one that i think kind of spoke to my um approach to winemaking which is conversational which is you know it reminds me it's not just me even though it's just me <laughs> it's not just me uh that this that makes this wine right there's a whole I mean, I don't have any employees, but the ones I do have are probably these millions of little microbiological mm -hmm. entities in there that are doing the work, really, doing the heavy lifting. And it's really listening to, um, you know, those ferments and that vineyard and, and finding the balance there, you know, and trying to figure out what they, they want to become, you know. So Merlot in general, what musical artist or group would you um, equate or kind of, you know, what reminiscent for Merlot in general, and then part B, and then your version in this wine, how would you describe it musically, phonically, artistically? Um, that's an easy one, thank God. <laughs> easy question. Uh, I don't think Merlot is kind of like the Beatles to me. It's like mm. everybody can like it, you know, everybody knows about it. Um, it's ubiquitous. In that ubiquity comes a kind of uncoolness after a while mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but i think you know and i'm that way too where it's like i've heard so much beatles and then i now i have a daughter and so i'm like turning on to the beatles because you got to right, right? right and going back and revisiting I'm like oh man this shit is actually really great i forgot the yeah. genius of the beatles yep. even, you know because it's just you take it for granted and right. i think merlot is like that mm. um my merlot um 
hard to say. It's a, it's a little, uh, it's a, it's, I, I, I like, um, you know, tertiary flavors in my wine. Mm-hmm. I like a little wildness in my wine. So, um, I don't know. I like to think it's maybe like a, like a Tom Zay or something, like a little <laughs> exotic, that's some like Tropicalia Brazilian artist, but maybe a little bit exotic, but still approachable, you know? Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I was listening to the Beatles last week cause it was uh July 7th is the day that John and, uh, Paul met. And oh, so okay. I put on the white album. And I was like, fuck, I was saying, I was like, fuck, this is so good. You know, I'm like, if you don't like the Beatles, you don't like music. That's just me. Yeah. Um, all right. What excites you about the future? Uh, I think, uh, I mean, I really am pretty, I'm hyper local. I mean, I'm really excited about Walla Walla. Uh, I mean, I was excited about Washington Merlot actually through blind tasting. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I couldn't, you know, I remember I, you know, I'd go I'd, uh, in a blind tasting, someone would bring a Washington Merlot and I would, um, I would be kind of confused because this is, well, it's not Bordeaux and it's not mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is it? And mm-hmm. it was always this Washington thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, and I, I really like that. I like that one foot in the old and one foot in the new. I think as far as the future, I think Walla Walla has a just, there's just a lot of innovation now, a lot of great new producers. Obviously, uh, you know, we're here because of the pioneers that were here and could and pr- had proved to the world that, you can make world-class wine here. So I think now that that um, box has been checked, um, I think we're really starting to drill down even further and, and figure out, well, what does Walla Walla taste like? You know? And I think that's exciting. Very cool. Last question, FMK, Pomerol, <laughs> Saint-Emilion, Franzac. Yeah, that's a... K, yeah, K is so question. hard. I'm going to be like FMD for divorce. Maybe yeah. I'll do that one. Like, um, I could consider that, but yeah. I, you know, I am from Jersey, Sopranos. <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa somewhere in New Jersey. Yeah. We just kind of handle shit differently. Um, you know, I, I, I can't afford to love Pomerol, so I'm going to just uh, say I love St. Emilion because I do love uh, Chateau Lipuy. Um, but I, I, I do love Santa Emilion. So, um, of course, Pomerol, I mean, I'm going to have to put in. Yeah. Sorry, Petrus, but you're second. <laughs> and then, um, I'm sorry, Franzak, but we're, we're getting divorced. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Robert, thanks, man. Your wine's delicious. Thanks for talking to me. We'll have to do this again sometime. All right, MJ, thank you for having right, me. My pleasure. All right, cheers. Thank you, guys. I love how the musician didn't know how to, he could just move the microphone, right? Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> this is so awesome. <laughs> right. All righty. How's everybody doing? This is okay? We were having a little fun, learning some stuff. Getting, getting thirsty? I like thirsty. That's the best answer. Ding, ding, ding. Number one answer. All right, everybody. My, my final guest is uh, the general manager of uh, the Thief Fine Wine and Spirits here in town of Walla Walla. And she is going to be the first female master psalm in the Walla Walla Valley. She just on her last test, she missed by one fucking point. So we know she's going to crush it. But um, everybody welcome Kaylee Brooke. Hey, hey, Kaylee. Hello. Hello. 
How are you? Amazing. Thank you for having me. Oh, don't thank me. Thank Liz for having me. <laughs> thank you, Liz. No, I'm glad you're here. Um, you know, Liz said, I got some amazing people I want you to talk to, and uh, everybody in Walla Walla is so cool. It's a really great wine scene you have here. Uh, tell everybody about the wine you brought to share with me. First, I have to make a public uh, apology to Chauncey for making a bald joke and that it made it this far. So, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just going to be like us, so here we are on TV and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> good thing we're such good friends. Sorry, Chauncey. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, they said, bring a bottle of Merlot to share with MJ. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yes, Prospice, yes, Hakettis. And they're like, but not Prospice or Hakettis. <laughs> and I was like, damn it, you know. So uh, I actually am quite good friends with Gordy Veneri, who was the uh, starting uh, owner and winemaker for Walla Walla Vintners back in the day. Mm -hmm. So I called him up and I was like, Gordy, I really need a favor. Like, I love your old Merlots. Do you have anything? And he was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so he brought me by a couple of bottles. We opened up the 97 right before I came over just to make sure it was still uh, mm -hmm. sound. It is 26 years old, and it's just, uh, you know, Seven Hills, which I think was planted in 93. Okay. Um, so pretty, you know, like young young vines, just new stuff. And it's still holding up. I don't know that it's got, you know, another 25 no, in it, but uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, no, it's holding up. Um, oh, sorry, it's got sorry. all the... Um, it's, it's Merlot. I mean, and actually, and, you know, we have benchmarks. It, it smells like Bordeaux, right? I mean, mm. like, it, it's got what you'd want in a... Alberto, I think that's what's so exciting about Washington oh, man, um, is that uh, the wines are it's the cross between California and Bordelais. Yeah. You know? um, so uh, where are you from, Kaylee? Uh, I am from Montana, not that far away originally. Uh, I got to Walla Walla through a long journey. I lived in uh, Italy for quite a while, mm. in Rome. Uh, I lived in Vermont, went to college there, lived in Chicago, worked at the Somme there, uh, California. Traveled two years around the world, and then I ended up in Walla Walla thanks to Gordy. So this is pretty delicious. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, 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 it's on point. Um, so, how many years have you actually worked in the industry? Uh, well, I'm just about to turn 40, and I got my first job in a restaurant when I was 15, uh, waiting tables at this little cafe. And uh, you know, just back then, they didn't have rules about how old you had to be to like sell wine. Remember you know? good so, old days? Yeah, the, old, the good old days. So uh, I did sling some wine then, but it didn't know anything. I didn't really uh, fall in love with wine until I moved to Italy um, when I was in college. I, I, I moved there to work at the Vatican for a while. And uh, see, so we're gonna have that. She just see, she's got invited for a full podcast. We're gonna pass. <laughs> Yeah. Working at the Vatican. I have a degree in classics, <laughs> uh, useless degree, but if any more upcoming wineries want help with Latin names, I am happy to help you. Happy well, <laughs> uh, it's, I would say uh, you have one used less degree. It could be worse. I mean, you could be like Jay, right? Right, yeah. He's got yeah. several used less degrees. Yeah, we're, we're less despised. And we go for so, more. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, Italy was really the place where I realized wine was about food, right? Yeah, and, yep. and, and that pairing, 100%. that idea that food and wine are also about community and shared meals yep. and uh, shared space. And that was really where I started to love wine. And it's always been with me. So I love restaurants, but it really is about sitting at a table with people you care about, uh, enjoying wine, enjoying food. And even now that I work retail, it's still there. That idea that I get to communicate with the person in front of me and sort of maybe translate what the winemaker wants to say in the bottle, you know, because I know Robert really well, and he makes such honest wines, and it's so easy to sell his wines to customers, be like, hey, these are really honest wines, you're going to love them for these reasons, uh, and it's what I love about food and wine. Yeah, so. yeah uh, you nailed it. Um, I think, like the whole wine, but I think retail is a really uh, great place 
to, we need more wine knowledgeable people in retail like yourself, like yeah. at high levels, because it is, you're, you're, you're front facing, you're, you're educating the consumer. Um, why do you love retail? I mean, cause you're going to be a mess. I mean, you could go, you get a job with Southern Glazer for 200K a year. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> She's uh, like, oh, well, I might do it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the epitome right yeah. there, Southern Glazer. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I actually, I, mean, I uh, worked Nothing as, says wine. <laughs> <laughs> nothing says wine like Southern Glazer. Um, no, I actually worked as the general manager for Valdemar uh, for four years before I went to the Thief, and I just went last year, and a big part of that move uh -huh. was so that I could sort of reinvest myself into the world of wine, right? Because you work for a winery and you are completely invested in mm -hmm. what that winery is doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was like, well, I, I gotta know all the things. Like I can't just like focus on, on this. Um, and so it really was a, a move for me to start being able to, to taste all the wines and sell all the wines and talk about all the wines uh, on a daily basis. And it's almost like tableside service with a closed bottle, <laughs> you know? And so you're there and you're trying to like tell someone how great this bottle is going to be, but also listening to what they want. And they're like, oh, you know, I, I love this. And I find it's funny because people were like, I like cab. And then all the descriptors they give you are anything but cab. I know. You know, I so know, then your hard job is to be like, okay, they hate cab. Right. But I have to sell them cab. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I like, totally. Yeah. And so it works like that. But I, I really love it. And I think uh, I'm a pretty passionate person in general. Uh, and I think it uh, comes through with wine. And so I can sit and talk to someone in the shop and talk about wine for 10 minutes. And then I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, right, you got right. me going and here I am still going. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, it's just such a cool thing. It's like, it's like being table side, yeah. uh, but you have 2000 bottles at your disposal. You can run around and be like, you should have this and this and this, try this, you know, so it's pretty great. Yeah. As a GM in retail, do you find like, I make a lot of musical references, but like you, it's like curating a playlist. Like I think, um, for me, I, I don't, I would never really want to do wholesale cause you're tied to one book and it could be a great book, but like that level of the freedom to like, curate what do, do you have that same feeling like you like obviously your passion's jumping through the stage but uh <laughs> how do you find uh it to uh like how do you select the wines for the shop well um because it's not just walla walla too because you have yeah, to yeah yeah you have to have point of reference a lot of wine yeah. uh, we have a, we have a chunk of wine uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you've been to the shop it's a little overwhelming but uh the best part about it is that you know, they're, they're iconic wines, right? They're benchmark wines, and we probably all know about them, but probably have never had them. Uh, and the shop is neat because we get to taste a lot of cool things, and, and my best wines are wines that are a surprise. Things that I, you know, like someone brought in an Argentinian Semillon, like high-altitude vines today. It was like 12 bucks, and they're tasting us on it. And I saw the bottle, and I was like, well, maybe it'll be good. And it was mind-blowingly good yeah. and I was like yes you know so there's iconic wines that I know about and things that I love and producers that I've always been really attached to and they go on the shelf but I'm just as equally excited to find things that are brand new for me you know and I'm like oh I had no idea you know and those are fun and those are the things you can talk to people about and be like listen I know you've probably never had this wacko grape from you know North Macedonia but you should now you know <laughs> so uh, so it's just a neat opportunity to try so many things and we have sort of a, a core event system at the shop and we have like 20 things open by the ounce all the time. So if you want to taste, I don't know, Gigal or something, we, you can, you can do it by an ounce, you know, and if you want to taste Dagano, you can, you know, and then if you want to taste Leonetti, you can. And it's, it's so cool to have the ability to taste those cool wines and sort of share them with people. Um, I, I don't know, it's maybe my favorite spot that I've ever worked, you know, like in terms of just being able to like gut it out every day like trying to sell wine to people but not be a salesman yeah but also just yeah, be excited yeah. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. so yeah that's yeah. so cool um what set you down the path of of the formal wine education 
Um, well, I didn't really get into the formal part of education until I moved to Chicago, uh, and I went to get my master's degree there. Uh, and I obviously had put myself through school with working in restaurants, because that's how you do it. Um, but I started working for a restaurant that had a master sommelier, George Miliotis, uh, and I was just stunned that that could be a career path. I was like, holy hell, that's amazing. I want to do that, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then I, I started taking some classes through um, the International Sommelier Guild, and I took classes from Michael Muser, who ran the Peninsula Hotel at the time. And there was just so much passion involved in education. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think we've all had really formative teachers in our lives, right? Like, no matter what it was, math or chemistry or whatever. Um, but when you can find that sort of formative teacher in wine, it's almost like it flips a switch where you're like, well, I want to do wine. <laughs> you know, and for me, I love to talk about wine, but I love wine education mm -hmm. more than anything. Uh, and so I think that's kind of where things are going for us at The Thief is, yeah, we want to sell wine, but also we want to be able to sort of be a hub of education for Walla Walla and not just Walla Walla wine, but like, here's the world of wine and here's where we fit in that paradigm. Here's how we can go forward. Uh, and sort of just using The Thief as a, like a springboard for us to be able to do that. You know, That's so. so cool. Yeah. Um, what has been like your biggest? So I love this. Alexi Lachine once said, "the the greatest tool in your wine education is a, is a corkscrew." Hmm. What has really? been your greatest tool in your personal wine journey, though? Well, um, I'm really lucky to be part of a super awesome. A blind tasting group okay. um, and I've, I've been a part of them you know through my education we have a really good one in well well and Gomez is part of it yeah uh, you know we've got Matt Austin from Grow Grain um, Chris Chan is here things like that and we taste every week together and some of us are you know like advanced sums and some of us are going for MW uh, some for MS and then we have a lot of people who are new to certification and the whole process um, and I think when I first started in those groups just tasting with people who were better tasters than I was was so amazing. Like I just learned so much listening to people who just knew more. And like working with winemakers, like you listen to Robert talk about, well, this probably happened and this happened and I think this happened. And then like as a psalm, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that checks out. You know, like that makes sense. I taste that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's really neat. And then as we all start moving up in that group and gaining certification, now we get to mentor other people through the process. And really teaching is the best way to learn. You know, so that when I have to actually go talk about something in front of somebody, I have to know it. Uh, and so that process, like learning from Robert, learning from Chris Chan, learning from Matt Austin, and then in turn, you know, being able to flip that knowledge on its head and talk to the people around us is really one of the best things I've done for myself just as a student. So. And for yourself, what would you give, what advice would you give to your 14-year-old self? Oh, man, classics is a dead end. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Uh, student loans are bullshit. And, <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't know. I think uh, I was going to be a doctor, right? And that's what my family wanted me to do. Uh, and I did all the stuff. I went to school, got all the classes. And then about halfway through, I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> and, I was like, and so I just I chose something that I really was passionate about, which mm -hmm. was classics, despite the fact that it's completely useless. Uh, it is still edifying in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, but I mean, I think with classics, what I would say is that what is what beverage has been throughout antiquity? There's only one beverage mentioned in the Bible. Right? I mean, so I mean, yeah. wine is the classics. Yeah. And I meet so many cool people in wine. You know, like uh, I was talking to Morgan about this earlier, like within wine, most of us fell into it 
from some other path. Yep. You know, conversely, like Europe, most people, maybe they grew up in wine and right. it's, it's a family thing and it's handed to them and yep. it's almost an obligation. Yep. Whereas here you meet winemakers and it's their passion, it's what they love. They gave up law to make wine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I think that's where you come up with really exciting wines right. and really innovative wines and things that make you, you know, stop with your glass for a second and be like, wait, what's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. And which is so cool. Um, I would agree with that. I think so many people, when you get a high level hospitality, it's like fucking people who went to Ivy League schools or little Ivies. And it, it, do you think it has something to do with the pursuit of excellence? Oh, that's a good question. That's a hard question. Um, I went to law school, but I, I said, fuck that shit. I, but I, so I don't ask good questions, but I was like, I think good for you, man. <laughs> yeah, bye. There is, I think, a pursuit of excellence in, in honest wine. Yeah. And I keep talking about like honest that. wine, and it's, it's what I'm looking for right. as a sommelier and, yeah. and in retail. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's really important to me. And I think it's important as we move forward as an industry, and we talk about things like sustainability, right? And we talk about um, how are we treating the earth, and how are, you know, how are we treating the people that work for us? And sustainability has so many facets. Um, and honesty has so many facets. And uh, Somebody's phone on. <laughs> That's awesome. I love live podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think there is there is a pursuit of per perfection there, and wine's never perfection, right? And like right. Chauncey and I talk about, you never really arrive, right. which is the best part about wine. You never get to the end and be like, well, I know everything. Right. You know, like Doug Frost, also like one of the most brilliant humans on the planet. Yeah. He's like one of like four people in the world who has both certifications. Yeah. And then you meet him, and you realize he's this fount of knowledge and the most awesome, humble person you'll ever meet. Yeah. And it's so inspiring, yeah. you know. Yeah. And you're like. Well, he could be like, I've, I'm perfect. I've, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've arrived. Yeah. But he's not. And yeah. that's what's so cool about wine. Is yeah. We never really get there. We get to keep changing and keep pursuing. And the climate keeps challenging us, and we keep challenging each other. Right. Uh, it's just such a dynamic industry. I don't know yeah. that many other industries get to have as much fun as no, we do. No, I, I agree. I mean, I've, I've, through the podcast, I've been very fortunate. I've had a couple of MWs on. I've had Mary Ewing Mulligan, who wrote Wine for Dummies. And she said, you know, she's like, how can I know everything about wine? Every year it's different. It's a different vintage. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Granick, amazing Georgian wines. Fucking like Georgetown International. Like people like, there are people in wine who have done amazing things and they leave it because of this amazing beverage. Um, and the same thing. And, it's, and I think um, humility is what you start out with. Jay. The humility, there's a humility about wine. For me, that was the same thing coming from law. I was like, oh my God, I could never know all this. This is so awesome. Right. Like, like it's just it never ends. Yeah. Um, bottle of Merlot that really rocked your world. Oh, that's easy. Uh, so obviously I, I lived in Italy for a while um, and everyone always thinks about like Sangiovese in yeah. Italy, right? No, 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 man. The, I mean, Sangiovese is crazy. Uh, so, yeah, but, but you, yeah, when you get a but Bulgarian. It is the, the Merlot and the Cab and the Syrah and, and, and in and Italy. The Petit, that is Petit Verano. Yeah. Yeah. When you get the Bulgaria, the Syrah, all they are. Yeah, yeah, so probably not. This bottle is uh, it's a smaller producer, but it's Galatronis Petrolo. Okay. Right, uh, and it's all Merlot, uh, and it is, it is next level. And I had it when I was younger, and I realized it was next level, you know, before I really got into uh, And I've had it a couple times since, and we have it at the shop now. Uh, and it's just one of those bottles. And then, the, you know, the Ray Gaffey that I had. <laughs> I was, like, cuddling this bottle at the tasting. I might have been at the end of the tasting. Uh, but, I, you know, those things and, uh, are just, just pretty amazing. Uh, and then when I worked at Valdemar, I worked with... Um, Maria Gila, and so her bottles of Merlot from Walla Walla, her old stuff is pretty epic, you know. And so she gave me a, an old bottle of Merlot when I first got hired on at Valdemar that she had made, and I opened it and I was like, "Whoa, 
this is something. You know what I mean? And, and so I think for Walla Walla Merlot, that bottle was like, oh my God, we can make great Merlot here. Uh, and we do, you know, yeah. which is which is so cool. So. All right. Uh, <clears throat> what are you most excited about for the future of yourself and Walla Walla Wines? Well, I first would like to pass my master exam. That's my big excitement. Uh, man, it's a ass kicker, that thing. But that's yeah, okay. that's like, that shit's like the bar exam. It's a... Uh, it's a thing. If you're John F. Kennedy Jr., <laughs> very difficult. Yeah, I mean, that's for me. Uh, but uh, I think for Walla Walla, which is maybe the much bigger picture and the more mm -hmm. applicable one here, I think Walla Walla is so amazing because we're not pigeonholed into any one style or one varietal, right? And you and I talked about California for a minute and mm -hmm. how, uh, you know, it's, it feels a certain way. It's kind of like Disneyland. Disneyland. We call it Disneyland, you know? And they have to grow Cabernet and they have to grow Chardonnay to really make money. But we don't have to do that. Yeah. Like, we can grow Alianico, for God's sake, and yeah. Lemberger, and people are still making money and still making great wine. Um, and so what a cool opportunity for us to to use Merlot as a sort of a, like a pinball, right? And be like, okay, we're coming back to this varietal. It's going to be awesome. We actually always loved it no matter what Sideways said, you know? Uh, and... I think Merlot is cool, but just Walla Walla in general, we're in such a pivotal place where we don't have to do one thing. We can do all the things and try them out, and some we do well and some we do terribly. But really, it's sort of the the collaborative uh, and unifying like vibe that we have here that's so cool and the thing that will really propel us to be a world-class wine region. Nice. FMK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up just a little bit for you because your Italy experience, so Bulgari, oh God. Pomerol. Santa Mion. Uh, I would kill Pomerol in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I hate wines over 15.5. It's just disgusting. I mean, no, I mean, there's some good ones. That's such a, that's such a pretentious thing to say. Uh, but generally, Pomerol is just rolling out with, you know, like now. Not old Pomerol, but uh, I don't know. I hate it. Uh, we all miss Saini in a blind all the time, but I would still marry it because it's so good. It's just so stinking good. Uh, and Fransac. No, Bulgari. Oh, Bulgari, sorry. I, you, I, I, threw it, I threw your bone with Italy. Uh, I don't actually like Bulgari very no, much. No, okay. Sorry, so you killed uh, Perfect. I killed, yeah. I, mur I murdered two people. Sorry. <laughs> it is what it You're is. You're not going to get one over on a wine crowd. There's like a lot of educated people here. They're listening. Um, okay, so we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're done, but I, I, I will let you ask me two questions. So... Um, uh, and the, you, the, the FMK with Santa Mion, Franzac, and Pomerol, and then if I were to uh, equate Merlot to a musical artist. Gotcha. Okay, so okay. go ahead and ask me. All right, so if you were going to equate Merlot, to a, it's a good thing I have such a good memory. Uh, if you were going to equate Merlot to a musical artist, who, who would it be? And you can't pick Mariah Carey. Yeah, I wouldn't, so I love Mariah, <laughs> um, and it's a good choice. So... Um, there's two. So there is a there is a muscular or there's a masculine side to Merlot, and there's a feminine side to Merlot. So for me, um, on the masculine side, I think of Marvin Gaye, and I specifically think of the Frankie Beverly and Mays song about him, "Silky Silky Soul Singer," because Merlot is just like even when it's masculine, it's still silky, silky, silky smooth, baby. You know. And then on the female side. Mariah's dope, but Mariah just wanted to be Whitney Houston. And, 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 and Whitney could belt it out. So she still had, she still, she brought it, but then she was, she had that finesse and the elegance. So those are the two musical arts for me. So that's that. 
Awesome. I like that. Okay, so FMK, back to you. Yeah. Pomerol, Saini, Bronzo. I'm with you. I'm, I'm killing fucking Pomerol because... Damn straight. Actually, no, I'm not killing Pomerol. I'm sorry. I'm fucking Pomerol <laughs> because, like... It's like a high-class hooker. If I, somebody wants to open a fucking $8,000 bottle of wine, I'm all in on that shit. <laughs> okay? Touche. <laughs> I, I am marrying Santa Mion because it is, for me, the marriage of, of Merlot and Cabernet Franc and what they do and mm -hmm. the bottles of wine you can find, like, let alone under $50, but in the $20 range of Merlot that is just fucking sick. So I'm like, oh, my, Santa Mion all day. And then I, I would kill off Franzek because it, it's dope, but, like, it, it always has a little bit funk, a little bit kind of the bready thing. I'm like, you kind of, you know, like, you're pretty, but you, there's something. <laughs> <laughs> Perfume's not working with you, so. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So thank you for that, everybody. Thank you. Give a round of applause for all the guests. Thank you. Um, round of applause for uh, Liz and the entire team at Walla Walla Wine. Um, I'm MJ Teller. Thank you for having me back, Walla Walla. Thank you very much. Let's go drink some more. Okay, it's obvious that I love Grenache, but I think by now you guys also know that I just love wine. And that's why on Saturday, November 4th, we are hosting a not just Grenache tasting in association with Grenache Fest. Once again, it'll be held at the Motor Co. in downtown Walla Walla, and tickets are just $35 per person, and we will be featuring wines from some of the top producers in the Walla Walla region. Go to GrenacheFest.com to purchase your tickets today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to BlackWineGuy.com and get on our email list. <laughs>